for instance, who knows the, their uh, friends and family members' phone numbers anymore? That's right. Or yeah. our devices precisely train us to not have to remember anything. Right. I have an app called, um, what's it called? <laughs> 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 no, but I'm serious, and I'm not kidding. Oh, I thought you were joking. <laughs> and it doesn't say what it's called. Welcome back to Tulsa Time with Bishop Condorla. I'm Adam Minahan. Thank you guys so much for subscribing to the podcast, for giving us a, a, a thumbs up on the social medias. It's also been really cool to just see how uh, people have been talking about the different podcasts that we've been putting out. Uh, we have Tulsa Time with Eastern Oklahoma Catholic Podcasts, like we've discussed, but we also have other talks and homilies and different uh, shows that happen around the diocese that we're able to, you know, share with everybody. So. Uh, make sure you subscribe and like and share with a friend uh, all of our, our podcasts. Recently, we had a, a a lecture that we posted called The Art of Memory. And it's it's from a guy who's, who, who actually just recently passed away, if you pray for his soul, um, Dr. Vost, Kevin Vost. He's a, uh, he was an author for Ignatius and Sophia and a couple of different places. But he, he talked about the art of memory and how he made the claim that most people don't have necessarily a bad memory. They just have a unused, like they, they haven't strengthened their memory. And he talks about like how to do that and uh, how to strengthen your memory and how to uh, build a memory to where you don't need necessarily a grocery list or things like that that you can actually use to uh, just help cultivate, you know, the, a good memory. So it was a really interesting talk. Yeah, and I, I suspect that it's going to get worse. If you don't use be, it. Well, the, the phenomena, because who... Who, for instance, who knows the, their uh, friends and family members' phone numbers anymore? That's right. Or yeah. our devices precisely train us to not have to remember anything. Right. I have an app called, um, what's it called? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, no, but I'm serious, and I'm not kidding. Oh, I thought you were joking. And it doesn't say what it's called. Um, oh, Evernote, Evernote. Oh, Evernote, yeah. I have an app called Evernote, which is basically a, a box. It's a filing cabinet on your device, and you can put anything and everything in it. Uh-huh. And I noticed that one of the things that it does is it makes me sort of lazier in even considering... Should I keep this or not? Do I need this? Will I need it in the future? It's so easy to put it there, and since it can literally hold everything, mm-hmm. um, I just put it in there, and I don't try to remember that or anything. I know I can search for it and find it and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But that's an example of of how our technology... <laughs> you remember the the cartoon Wally? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, what happened to them on the ship? They were on the ship in space. Wally, if you haven't seen it, is a just a wonderful uh, Pixar, I think. Yes, cartoon about a little robot who's stuck on Earth after everyone has abandoned the planet, and he's he has his own 
funny travails that go on. But meanwhile, all the survivors of planet Earth have launched themselves on a giant, giant ship into space, and they're traveling, waiting for the planet to once again be able to support life after we destroyed it somehow. And uh, why, because they're on this ship, and the ship does everything for them, it creates food, and it makes food appear at your elbow if you ask for it, and all these things. Therefore, they don't have to get up and do anything. Therefore, they've all become huge, big walrus-type people in chase lounges <laughs> floating around on this ship. And um, so the technology did that to them. And so our technology is causing us to become less, less uh, capable of, A, focusing on one thing at a time for a long time, mm -hmm. and B, remembering, <clears throat> yeah, remembering things. I have a book, uh, you were talking about an a author on memory. Mm -hmm. I have a little book that I think is largely focused on St. Thomas Aquinas. He had some kind of a system right. for memory, and uh, I did find it useful. Yeah, building a like castle in your head. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, he actually talks about that uh, in, in that lecture. Yeah. Yeah, and in fact, that, that was uh, prominent in one of the Sherlock episodes, the new BBC Sherlock. Uh, there was this bad guy, the, the, the main villain in that particular episode, was a person who everyone thought he had some giant file system in his house that had the dirt on everyone. Uh -huh. It wasn't that. It was all in his head. Right. He had figured out a way to go into this castle, he called it, mm -hmm. and find in his head anything he wanted on anybody and so but um yeah so memory you know the one of the one of the things to remember of course is all of our our theology our beliefs our spirituality yes and um so i thought that, uh with this episode since i'm spending so much time right now com uh, in confirmation and as are all bishops mm -hmm. uh the easter season is the primary season but because there's so many confirmations to do, they go on through most of the year here. Uh, I thought we might talk a bit about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We all learned the gifts of the Holy Spirit how long ago for right? Yeah, for all of us. And uh, <clears throat> pardon me, remembering what they are and what they mean, sure, is useful. And so we might just do a little episode on that. We can begin with this prayer. To the Holy Spirit, we probably learned it That's a good one. when yeah. we were young, uh, but may not remember it. So, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. And let us pray, O God, who have taught the hearts of the faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit. Grant that in the same spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's a prayer that my old seminary professor, Dr. Or doctor, he was also a doctor, Father James Anderson used mm. to pray that at the beginning of every class, and so I learned it well back then. Nice. Now, you were talking about uh, confirmations, and... The bishop is the one who has to confirm everybody, correct? Unless he gives the authority to a different 
pastor because he can't make it for whatever reason, but it, the bishop is the one who, who who's supposed to confirm uh, everybody. Is that correct? Yeah, our our language in our Catholic liturgical and, and sacramental language, we talk about the ordinary uh, minister of the sacraments. Mm-hmm. And in the case of the sacrament of confirmation, the bishop is the ordinary minister, and others can be delegated to perform the sacrament by the bishop. Uh, except for the case of converts, people who are coming into the church. So, for instance, every year the parishes everywhere have an RCIA, now it's called the OCIA mm-hmm. uh, program, uh, which helps men and women, even children, who are learning the faith and becoming Catholic uh, to prepare themselves to enter the church, into full communion with the church. And in the case of those people, the pastor has uh, the ability to confirm them at the Easter sacraments because the bishop can't be everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, The thing that I give uh, delegation the most often for are Catholics who take, for example, at um, OSU or at TU. You know, you may have students in college who, for whatever set of reasons, weren't confirmed when they were in high school or earlier. They've come to college. Now they're being confirmed. So they've been raised Catholic, but they just were never confirmed. Mm -hmm. But they want to be confirmed with their classmates or something. There may be some reason why it needs to be done on a day when I'm not going to be there. Mm -hmm. So then the priest can ask for delegation, and I'm happy to, to accommodate that. We had a... We had a case where a young person, I think this may have been in Stillwater, a young person was confirmed in the hospital room of their grandfather because he was dying, Mm. and he was the sponsor. He wanted to be the sponsor. Oh, wow. And so we happily delegated the pastor to do that, and they were able to do that before he died, and it was very wonderful. So, um, yeah, confirmation, um, we did... uh, 210 this year at St. Francis Xavier. Wow. In three masses, all done in one morning. Now, is that in Stillwater or, or Tulsa? Here in Tulsa. Here in Tulsa, yeah. Uh, still to come are the ones at St. Thomas More, and we have done as many as 300 or so there at a time. That's incredible. In again, several masses in a row. You can't fit everybody and their families in one mass. Uh, all the way down to some parishes, I literally have have done uh, confirmation with one mm-hmm. candidate, and I'm very happy to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit. In the Catechism of the Catholic Church, number 1830, uh, we find that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are permanent dispositions. Uh, even disposition, I think, is a word we don't use that much anymore. Uh, permanent attitudes, let's call it, permanent stances, uh, which make us docile in following and befriending the Holy Spirit. Docile means open to, uh, ready to, looking forward to. Uh, One can imagine, and I I do think that this is a concern sometimes, that uh, sometimes people begin, they, they reach a point in their faith life where they sort of have a chip on their shoulder about something with regards to what the church teaches. 
And we want to be very careful of that. Uh, If we find that there's something that the church teaches that we're struggling to agree with or understand or live by, it's best not to develop a chip on our shoulder and challenge the Holy Spirit and say, well, the Holy Spirit may be wrong about this, or the church may be wrong about this, forgetting that the church is inspired by the Holy Spirit, uh, but rather to maintain an attitude of docility. I'm not there yet Mm -hmm. to say that. Here's a teaching that the church has. I find it so hard to accept. I don't find that I'm docile to it yet, but I want to be. Mm. And so then I maintain an openness. I continue to read and study. I continue to talk to others about it. I strive after it. That's better than developing a kind of a, a attitude of, of a lack of docility. Um, and just great humility, right? Yes. It, I mean, that, that, and it should be, you know, we should say, <clears throat> uh, applaud these, these people who are struggling with these things and wrestling with these things of the faith because you know, our faith is beautiful and deep and rich. Um, and maybe you don't understand or, or you, you're not quite there yet to agree, but to be able to have the humility to say, I'm not there yet, but I want to be there. Well, and I think a general, um, a general, what, a general way for a person to sort of examine this issue for themselves is to first stop and consider what do I think the church is? Do I imagine that the church is like a political party or that the church is like a team? And I'm Catholic only because I was raised in it or only because people told me growing up I had to be or something like that. Right. But I could be on any other team because it doesn't really matter. They're all the same, basically. If I have that kind of an attitude, then I'm misunderstanding the church to begin with. And then I'm more likely to develop this kind of a chip on my shoulder because if, if the present leaders of the church can make the church whatever anybody wants it to be, including themselves, then if they won't make it the way I want it to be, then there's something wrong with the leaders and or the church. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, if the church is the body of Christ, which is what the church believes it is, the bride of Christ, the living body of Christ, if the church is his instrument, not ours, if it's his invention, not ours, and if the authority of the leaders of the church only extends as far as defending and, and uh, teaching and, and uh, preaching the gospel that he gave us, but not to create our own gospel, any gospel we want. If that's the case, then the church is a whole different thing. Mm-hmm. And for me to oppose the church is for me to then be opposing God. That was that um, scripture of St. Paul on the road to Damascus. Jesus says, Paul, Paul, why are you uh, persecuting me? Right. Paul is going around arresting Christians. Jesus has already ascended to heaven. He's not even there. But the voice from heaven says, why are you persecuting me? Not why are you persecuting my church? Why are you persecuting my believers? Why are you persecuting me? Because the church is the body of Christ. So the uh, gifts of the Holy Spirit are just 
just as they say, gifts. But just like any gift we receive, if we don't use it, it won't benefit us. I've used this analogy in confirmation homily before. If someone gives you a new car, I've joked with the kids about getting a new car for confirmation. <laughs> they get excited about the possibility, but it then uh, no, there's no. The reality is it's a Tonka Troy. Yeah. Um, Hot, Hot Wheels car. If I give you a new car, it's yours. It's always going to be yours. Here's the key. Here's the title. It's yours. But if you keep walking, if you say thank you very much, you go park it at home and you just keep walking or calling Uber, um, then you'll never benefit from the gift that you have. And so it is with the Holy Spirit. If we bestow the Holy Spirit in confirmation, the Holy Spirit is bestowed. He dwells in us. But if we don't live with him, if we don't actively strive to form a relationship with the Holy Spirit, he's not going to force us. Mm -hmm. uh, he doesn't inhabit us like the operating system of a robot or something. Right. Uh, he is a person, a living person, the person, the third person of the Holy Trinity, and he desires to help us, but we should ask him. Mm -hmm. And so we receive these gifts of the Holy Spirit to help us do that, to help us be docile, to help us to create this relationship with him, to help us ask him. Uh, so we might remember them. I never, I never have asked the kids during the mass. You know, I don't ask them. I don't put somebody on the spot. Right. All right. You go. Naming the fifth gift of the because I would freeze up myself <laughs> if you did that to me. I would freeze up. But uh, we remember them, and um, one way to remember them is Wuck, W U C, and then two Fs. Their bookends. F, P, K, F. So wisdom, understanding, counsel, then fortitude, piety, knowledge, fear the Lord. Those are those gifts that we learned back when we were being confirmed, but what do they mean? What do they do? Um, the first of them is wisdom. Wisdom helps us to see things from God's perspective. I think that mostly when we hear the word wisdom today, we think of uh of SAT scores or something like that, right. knowledge, intelligence. Uh, but if we think about it for just a minute, we'll recognize that when we consider someone really wise, we think of more than just that. Mm -hmm. we, the, the person that comes into our mind, we think of them as wise for more than just the fact that they're book smart, uh, that kind of a thing. And if you think about it, the stereotypical bad guy... Mm -hmm who's a mastermind, the mastermind criminal, right? He knows more than all the good people, but he's evil. So we don't think of him as being wise. We just think of him as being smart. Mm -hmm. uh, and so wisdom is beyond simply things that we know. Wisdom means having the ability, because of our relationship with God in the Holy Spirit, to see things from God's perspective, <clears throat> that's really important in this world where we know so many things so immediately. Mm -hmm. And now it's going to be even more so with uh, 
artificial intelligence and all these other kinds of tools that are coming online. Um, you know, when you look, for instance, at your news feed, whatever news app or thing that you use, that's curated. That list of stories for today is curated. It simply means that somebody <clears throat> has taken from all the things that might be talked about on the news and selected these as being the news we're going to go with. Well, if you let that determine what's important for you, mm -hmm. then somebody else is determining what's important for you. Yeah. But wisdom would say, no, I attend to God and the things of God, and I let that help me to prioritize what's really important in the world. And then you'll find that many of the things in the newsfeed are they're just not even important. Right. And because they're not important, I don't even need to give them any notice or time. Mm -hmm. I can move on to other things. Uh, so wisdom, I think, is, is um, something that we want to cultivate, but cultivating it means everything that has to do with befriending God, learning about God, coming to know more about God, that does docility we talked about. Mm -hmm. So would that be like, you know, obviously reading, try to read, reading scripture every day, um, you know, adoration kind of really sticks out in my mind of being able to sit in silence, um, listening, to, you know, listening to God. Um, are there some, some, some and, practical and, ways you think? Yes. And we spoke of humility a moment ago. Humility is the recognition of who we are. Humility is not thinking poorly about ourselves. Mm -hmm. Humility is simply recognizing that we're not God. Uh, one of the areas that I have so much curiosity about and love to, to read and study and learn things about is the cosmos. And the mere fact of it, that it's there, tells me I'm not God. <laughs> Some body created this. Yeah. Uh, some mind created everything that is, and I have relationship with that mind. And the more I am struck with awe by that, the more I will gain wisdom, because it will cause me to live in this material world and to think in this material world through that lens what does the mind, who is God, think about these things? Uh, and that helps a lot. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, the next one is uh, understanding. Uh, again, there's a common way of, of having a definition of it. But then in terms of a gift of the Spirit, understanding is the grace by which we comprehend more deeply what God has revealed to us. Uh, we ask one another all the time if we're explaining something to someone, you understand? You, right. You understand what I mean? And uh, our faith is something that gets explained to us. These gifts, for example. Okay, there's seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. They are blah, blah, blah. But do you understand that? Understanding is more than just knowing about it mm -hmm. or even being able to list it, but a beginning 
understanding is a beginning to live with it, where the thing that we know about begins to invade our life. Mm. We pull it into our life. We integrate it, not invade. Mm. Yeah, this is not a virus. Right, yeah. But I, that that makes total sense, right? You see, even if, even if there is an uh, agnostic person studying theology, and he studies he studies all about the life of Jesus, which there are there are people who do this, right? Mm-hmm. Who are agnostics who study about the life of Jesus, and he he knows more about the life of Jesus, so to speak, than 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 myself because mm-hmm. he's done all this study. But he's never felt like the love that Christ has for for me, right? Uh, and and the emotion, you know, what happens whenever I know His love for me, to where I know I can tell Him more about Jesus in that aspect than mm-hmm. He could from any textbook that He ever reads, right? Yeah, and that's a danger too of of the kind of uh, information system that maybe we have, is that we stop at the surface level of things. Uh, I don't remember where I came across it, but in the last couple of years, I came across a definition of uh, mystery. Uh, the, the faith is said to be mysterious. There are mysteries of the faith. And uh, we say sometimes the faith is, is uh, incomprehensible. Some things are incomprehensible because they're wrong. They can't be comprehended. Mm-hmm. Uh, four plus four equals five is incomprehensible because right. it's, it's, it's not it, logical. Yeah. Uh, but when we talk about mysteries of the faith, they're not mysteries because they're not comprehensible. They're mysteries because they're infinitely comprehensible. Mm. Now stop and think of the difference between that. Something that is not comprehensible I can't get it. Mm-hmm. It's impossible. I feel that way at crossword a lot. Uh, <laughs> something that is not comprehensible, I can't get it. Versus something that is infinitely comprehensible and is beautiful. That's God. Infinitely comprehensible means I can never plumb all of it. Mm-hmm. Should I give up on it just because I can't plumb all of it? Not if it's attractive. If it's attractive, I'm overjoyed with the fact that there's always something more for me to learn about it. And that's what understanding helps us to do. It helps us to deepen our understanding, our knowledge of God and who God is uh, with us and for us. And it's a gift of the Holy Spirit that helps us to do that so that we... We never think, oh, I've been to Mass before. Gosh, I've been to Mass all my life. I know everything about Mass. Well, a person, a man, takes bread and wine. They become the flesh and blood of Jesus Christ right in front of our eyes for us to receive. Uh I know everything about that? Right. It's impossible to know everything about that. We can never know everything about that. Therefore, going to Mass, if we attend to the mystery, if we operate out of this gift of understanding and we seek to deepen our awareness of what's happening right in front of our eyes, then we never get tired of it. Mm -hmm. It always remains new. The only thing that's old in the world is sin. (laughs) Everything else is new. I was struck uh, this past Lent, 
I was watching again uh, the movie The Passion of the Christ. And there is such a powerful scene in his carrying of the cross when he falls down, Mary comes up to him, he looks up at her with his face just battered and bloody and says, Behold, Mother, I make everything new. I'm doing this, and in doing this, I'm making everything new. Wow, that's so powerful. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a mystery. I'll never plumb the depth of that, but I can always be inspired by the truth of it. Mm-hmm. Understanding, okay. Uh, counsel. Again, we understand counsel in a common way. We go to someone to receive their counsel. Would you please help me? Give me some advice, counsel. Um, understanding the gift, though, of the Holy Spirit that is counsel helps us to make choices that please God the most. So I think counsel, we can call it a two-way gift. On the one hand, think of it as that gift of the Holy Spirit whereby God helps me to understand things uh, in a different way, helps me to make choices based on what I know and understand of things. On the other hand, to the degree that I integrate the gift of the Holy Spirit of counsel, to that degree other people will probably seek me out. Mm -hmm. If I'm living my life according to the wisdom that comes from God, that life is going to be different. Mm -hmm. In fact, that life is going to be different than probably general life around me, and other people are going to seek me out, and then I can offer counsel, and the counsel I offer won't be based on my own lights, it will be based on this wisdom and understanding that leads to counsel. Um, so through counsel, I come to understand how to live my life according to these things that I know, these deeper things that I know, and am learning. Uh, we say, uh, I've joked with people that that I hope to convert one day. I hope to be a convert one day. And by that, I'm jokingly saying conversion is an ongoing reality. The closer a person gets to God, the light of, of God shines more brightly on him or her, and mm-hmm. he or she can see more clearly the, the areas they still need to convert. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, Counsel, the gift of the Spirit counsel, helps us to continue that conversion. Yeah. Uh, Another gift that is really powerful for today, and I I mention this and emphasize it in many homilies with the teens who are being confirmed, is this gift of fortitude. Um, Fortitude, typically we think of strength. The gift of fortitude makes us gives us the ability to be firm in professing and defending our Catholic faith despite all obstacles. It's what puts the smile on the face of the martyrs is Mm -hmm. the gift of fortitude. Uh, No one likes a bully, but people typically are attracted to people who are strong. That's Mm an interesting paradox. We don't like a bully. A bully is a strong person, but a bully is a strong person who's using their strength in all the wrong ways. But if you think about it, we typically are attracted to people who are strong, but they're using their strength in ways that that 
come from God in ways that build other people up, in ways that show mercy and patience and compassion. It takes strength to be merciful, Mm -hmm. actually. That's not uh, weakness. Mm -hmm. And so um, we are drawn to people who have fortitude. And so we should want to develop this gift of the Holy Spirit. Many people oppose the faith today without knowing that they're doing that. They, they don't understand the church. They don't understand the faith, the Catholic faith. They oppose things that for ideological reasons or for reasons of culture or politics. Um, fortitude helps us to stand our ground in the face of such people without being pushy. Mm. Yeah, I've heard it explained to me before. It's like strength under control. Mm. You know, so like imagine like you go to the gym and you see these these two bodybuilder guys. One guy has the hundred pound weights on each side and he's throwing them up and then he just kind of throws them out ah, and throws them out and the weights go everywhere. And then you have the other bodybuilder who, who has, you know, hundred pound weights and he's just one, two, three, and then just sets them down. Mm-hmm. Both are strong. Right. One has strength under control and the other guy has chaos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard... Uh... A quotation. I heard it on the lips of Jordan Peterson, but I don't know if that's if he's the one who originated it. But he was saying that um, a strong man. How did he say it? Um, a a strong man is. I'm gonna I'm gonna foul this quotation up. It has to do with uh, being dangerous. And so there's a tendency to think, oh, I don't want to be too too masculine or too too strong because then that's toxic or I become dangerous. But he's saying, no, a, a strong man is not dangerous because he has his strength under control. He has this gift of fortitude. It's the weak man that creates chaos. Hmm. A person who thinks that strength is not to be sought Now, sometimes this comes because a person has grown up in a chaotic family or or a situation in their life where they were surrounded by examples of chaos that were uh, violent or destructive or bullying. And so naturally, they may develop a fear of strength. But the gift of fortitude would tell us strength is not something to fear. It's something to be sought because in the Holy Spirit... Strength is what allows us to be disciples. It's what helps us to be able to offer the faith to others who don't currently understand it. Mm-hmm. That line from uh, Chesterton, I guess, is who who said uh, that there's not that there are millions of people who think they oppose the faith, but but you know you can't find one in a thousand who know the faith and still oppose it. That kind right. of a thing. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so fortitude, uh, knowledge. Mm-hmm. This one, of course, seems the most plain at all, but there's a there's a deeper understanding of what we mean by the gift of knowledge from the Holy Spirit. Knowledge, of course, is everything, right? Book knowledge, uh, reading, writing, reading, writing, and arithmetic, right? The yeah. three R's, right? Um, not spelling. <laughs> if it's three R's, yeah. But uh, knowledge. As a gift of the Spirit, knowledge is being able to make the connection 
between the things that we know and God who is the source of everything. So that's where it becomes deeper. Uh, when you think of someone who knows many things but doesn't know God, they're not operating out of the gift of knowledge from the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. They just have knowledge. Mm-hmm. But the person who has the gift of knowledge from the Holy Spirit is learning constantly things, but is always struck with wonder at how they connect to God who made everything. Uh, I particularly appreciate this gift because I have, as many people do, this natural curiosity, as I said, about the cosmos mm-hmm. and about learning new things. I'm, I'm watching out at my property right now as the summer comes on. Uh, these mud daubers build a big new addition yeah. to the mud dauber nest up in the corner there of my porch. And uh, most people have not taking the time to take a mud dauber nest apart. Why would you? (laughs) It's not a critique. It's just an observation. I spent an amazing day one one day. Years ago, I was with a friend visiting their uh, place where they grew up. We were standing in a barn door, partially open, and I was watching mud daubers fly in and out of this barn because it was next to a pond where there was a ready supply of mud. And I noticed as I watched them, because it was just a few feet open, so they're having to fly pretty close in front of my face. I noticed as I'm watching them that some of them were carrying small pea-sized balls of mud. Mm-hmm. And some of them were carrying small spiders. And I was fascinated by that. Even on the ground, right there in the doorway, were little pea-sized pieces of mud and little paralyzed spiders that they had, (laughs) when they crashed into each other, they had dropped dropped their load. So it caused me to take a nest apart one time. And sure enough, as the mud dauber builds that little mud cave, uh, eventually when it's almost done, They go out and sting, and I learned this by reading, uh, they sting particular species of spiders, paralyzing them, stuff them into the cave, lay an egg or two in there, and then seal the end. The egg hatches, the larva eats the spiders as it grows until it gets big enough to break itself out of the the cave. That's why usually when you see a madabra, nest, a mature one, it's got a bunch of holes in it. Uh And those little lines, well, that's the individual ones that have broken out of there. Okay, so uh, I'm not a a, a PhD cosmologist. Right. But it sure is hard for me to think that that's just by chance, all of that. Okay, so that's a fascinating kind of a thing. Anyone could learn that knowledge. All you have to do is break one of the nests open and you can see that. The gift of the Spirit that has to do with knowledge is making that connection between the God that I worship and who I believe loves me did that. Mm -hmm. And then that makes me fall more in love with him because (laughs) it's easy to love a God who can do that, who can create a universe that has something as whimsical as that Mm -hmm. in it. Uh, It's fascinating. So, yeah. and I mean, the more you love him, the more you, or the more you know about him, the more you can love him. You know, just like anybody else, like this exper- experiential uh, knowledge that you know more about somebody. I can 
now love you more. Right. And whose whose album are you more interested to learn? Whose family album are you more interested to spend time and reading through? Right. Your own or someone else's? Well, once you know it's yours, that causes you to be interested in the stories in it in a different way. Mm-hmm. And so the same it is with God. The more that we understand the world and know that it's his world that he's given us, the more we want to understand more about it because it's so fascinating that he did that. Yeah. Yeah. Pardon me. And um, okay, so piety. Uh-huh. Uh, we tend to think of piety, I think, in the natural way. Piety causes us to think, a pious person is someone who uh, wears a veil when they go to Mass or, you know, wears the brown scapular or always has a rosary and they're praying the rosary or something like that. And yes, that's true. Those are all pious acts. Uh, but because we're children of God, we come, to know lo- uh, we come to know Him and love Him intimately as our Father. That's where the word pietas, piety, comes from is knowing that we are the children of God and he loves us. So it's related, of course, to knowledge, what we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. But the gift of piety is a kind of internal joy. Because of God's love for us, that evokes from us a desire to love him back. That's where piety comes from. Piety is that gift of the Spirit that makes it easy for us, or that makes it easier for us that awakens in us a desire to love God back because he loves us. Now, that takes many forms, Mm -hmm. the ones that we discussed and many, many others, but the primary thing that ties them together is this joy in having God as our Father and being his child. Yeah, I read one time that joy is the reaction of a a beloved receiving love. Mm Mm-hmm, yeah. And I thought that was beautiful, right? You know, like, and that's, I mean, you see that even in, even as a parent, like, you know, you, you show love to your, to a little baby, a little toddler. And what do they do? They smile and they, mm-hmm. they giggle or they laugh, mm-hmm. you know, they, they're joyful. Yeah. Uh, Unless they've just finished eating, then they spit up. Yeah. <laughs> Which has happened. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then the final one, fear of the Lord, fear of the Lord. I think a lot of people react negatively when they hear that there's a gift of the Holy Spirit called the fear of the Lord. And it's not servile fear. It's not fear that, that the, the Almighty God, the, uh, the omnipotent God, is going to crush me like a bug. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about fear here as a gift of the Spirit. Fear is a reverence. Uh, many people probably have had the experience of being outside in a big thunderstorm, maybe even on the front porch, and a huge clap of lightning happens nearby. And it just rattles your brain and scares you to death and causes you to run inside. And so there's a reverent fear of something that is so outside of my control, so completely other and beyond me. God is all of that. That's what we mean by fear of the Lord. All of that, and and yet all of that tinged with love. Mm-hmm. God doesn't become my buddy, right? Right. 
Yes, we can think of that metaphorically and so forth. But if I really have a, a deep fear of the Lord, a reverential awe at God's majesty, he doesn't become my buddy. He is my beloved. He is my father who loves me and who I love. There is an intimacy that grows in my life over the course of my life with God the more I love him and know him. But it doesn't, it never causes me to take him for granted. That's the point of the of mm-hmm. the gift, is to not take God for granted. And so the result that it has in our life, one one practical result is fear of the Lord helps us to pray because it causes us to become more aware of our need for God. It's one thing to pray because I was taught to pray. It's one thing to pray because I need to win the lottery. (laughs) It's one thing to pray for lots of reasons. It's another thing to pray because I'm aware that I literally cannot live without God. Mm -hmm. That the source of my, the source of the best things about me and about my life are Him. Mm -hmm. He is the source of it. That awakens in me a fear of being without him. Mm -hmm. That's a reverent fear of the Lord. Not a fear that he's going to punish me, but a fear that I might offend him because I love him. Right. Yeah. So it's it's a different—it results in the same thing, a hatred for sin, Mm -hmm. but from a different motive. Right. Yeah. Uh, Now, that also results in a different type of repentance— because one type of repentance or contrition for sin is the language of the, of the catechism. One type of contrition is born just out of fear that God will punish me, which is, if that's what I got, go with that. Right. It's yeah. better than none. But the more perfect type of contrition, which comes from this gift of the Spirit, is a fear that I may have offended God because I love him. That's right. And therefore, the last thing I would want to do, I would feel so sad if I offended him because I love him. That's the fear of the Lord. So we should pray for that gift, yeah. Yeah, the more, the more you become in relationship with, with our Lord, the more sin just seems less and less like something you can even think about doing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Think of how, how it affects other relationships when we start to realize this can also be operative in other relationships. Between spouses, for example, the reason why I strive to do what I know pleases my spouse is because of my love for my spouse. That's right. Uh, how much I love this person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so confirmation is not like uh, the graduation of church. You know, uh, like a lot of a lot of uh, people have said maybe in the past, it's not like you, you're now graduating and you get confirmed like in high school, but it's really. A, a, uh, God's gift to us to go out, and He gives us these gifts so that we can use these gifts to go out and and spread the good news, to, to go out and, and share the gospel with people. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, one of the unintended consequences of confirming at the later age that we do now in many places is that close association of confirmation with graduation. Mm-hmm. Typically, we're confirming people who are sophomores, juniors, even seniors. <clears throat> They're in high school or about to finish high school, and so it seems like, yeah, I'm graduating from all these things. Right. But a person who has really come to understand what 
education is in its fullest sense, will never think even after they graduate with a even if they graduate with a PhD. Mm-hmm. Uh, the more they understand education, the more they will realize I'm never finished with education. I might be finished with taking formal classes, but I'm learning throughout my life. Uh, so. Similarly, with the sacrament of confirmation, the more a person understands this is simply preparing me to live my life more fully in the Lord. That's one of the arguments in favor of uh, uh, bestowing the sacrament of confirmation on younger uh, people, younger children, is precisely because the world they grew up in is filled with ways that, will, that can lead them astray better to have these graces of the sacrament, these gifts of the Spirit, even earlier in life so that I can use them mm-hmm. to help me to grow closer to the Lord yeah. in life. Yeah. So if you're interested in the catechism, we've talked about the catechism many times on Tulsa Time. Uh, this one is from Ascension Press. It's a great catechism uh, that they have. It's, it's like leather-bound, has ribbons. It's like really nice to be, to be able to hold on to. But, but it doesn't have tabs. It doesn't have tabs like yours. No, but, but I need to probably get some. But from eight, about 1830 on is, is where it talks about the gifts, the gifts and the fruits of the Holy Spirit. But it does have color-coded corners. It does have color-coded co- yes. So you can get those at Ascension Press. But anyway, Bishop, it's been a lot of fun. I appreciate you taking the time, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. Mm-hmm.